Welcome to our Extraordinary Stories podcast brought to you by the Leave Extraordinary Women. Our purpose is to bring you some insights into some of the world's leading female entrepreneurs, their journeys, highs and lows, and key takeaways from their business and adventures. My name is Sarah and I'm the Community Officer at the League of Extraordinary Women. I'm also joined by Astrid, our awesome marketing coordinator. Hello. <laughs> I have the pleasure of being with Kelly Baker-Jameson, who is the founder of Edible Blooms. Today we will be getting to know Kelly's story and how she began her extraordinary business. Hello, Kelly. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me, Sarah and Astrid. <laughs> We're so happy to have you on board today. Um, so I guess today we just really wanted to get to know um, your story and what makes Edible Blooms unique and your life as an entrepreneur. Um, so it'd be great if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, your background and an overview of your journey. Sure, I'd love to. Well, uh, I started Edible Blooms 10 years ago this year, so in 2005, the colourful doors of Edible Blooms opened in Brisbane, in Queensland, in a tiny little shop. And I had a background in marketing and business development, so I had never worked in retail. I didn't know the first thing about finance of a business. I had never um, worked in food production either, so there was quite a steep learning curve when I first had this idea of creating a business that's much like a florist, but you got to eat our bouquets when they arrived. So it started very small. We had 10 gift, gift designs, which were all made from fresh fruit, and we did the strawberries in Belgian chocolate. But within a year, we had four outlets around the country. So we had Adelaide uh, set up uh, second in the February. Um, we then moved on to Sydney in May, and then uh, Melbourne um, October 2006. So it was a really intense first year of business. I look back and I can reflect that naivety is the reason that we grew so fast so quick because we didn't question. We didn't say why we couldn't do it. We just went, yeah, we'll do that. And um, my sister joined me, so backtracking a little bit. So I started the business by myself. My sister came back from teaching in London and wanted to do something different. So she joined me in the business when the Adelaide office opened. Uh, so the two of us literally wore about 10 different hats those first um, that first year. And 10 years later, we're still here and uh, we have a huge team. We've got over 50 staff now. Wow. We operate out of seven locations and we deliver all over Australia and New Zealand with a product range that we must have over 200 different gifts, unique gift ideas that we deliver uh, to our front customers, both corporate and personal gifting. That's amazing. And what yeah, what, what process <laughs> <laughs> what process did you follow to decide on the product or service that you'd be giving? Great question. So I always knew I wanted to run my business. I uh, grew up in uh, regional South Australia uh, on our family's farm. Um, our father was a, uh, a sheep and wheat farmer. And I always had this desire to be in the big city and to do something um, really different. And I'd seen different family members start up their own businesses and really get a great deal of satisfaction. And I just knew that's what I wanted to do one day. So I uh, did a marketing degree, a business degree, and started working in marketing and business development roles for other companies. Um, immediately before I started Edible Blooms, I was actually um, a senior marketing um, director for a large top-tier law firm, of all things, before I started Edible Blooms. So it just goes to show that you can literally take the knowledge of learning corporate and <laughs> all kinds of different things. But it was a great discipline working with professionals. It was a great, they were really, uh, I guess, uh, challenged me. Uh, from an intellectual perspective and just knowing a lot about business structure and um, some of the pitfalls of business and learning from other people's mistakes before you have to make your own, I think is something Definitely. fantastic. So 
um, you know, when you are in a role with someone else, just learn, put up your hand, do as many things as you can, yeah. be that employee that takes on a lot because eventually when you want to start your own business, you're much better equipped to make it happen. Was was that um, job something that held you back from actually starting Edible Blooms? or what? No, it actually really helped. So the first eight months Edible Blooms started, I was still consulting for that firm 30 hours a week, um, which really helped cash flow the growth of the Edible Blooms. So I was literally swapping trainers for high heels every day. Um, oh, wow. So I'd start my morning Edible Blooms in trainers <laughs> and then I'd slip on uh, and I put an apron over my, my corporate dress or whatever I was wearing to the office and then I would then um, head into the city do my consulting work with my high heels on and then finish the day at Edible Blooms. They were really long days so I was wow. working um, every minute of my day uh, I was putting into the business and I, you know you have to, I had a fairly you know, I self-funded with, with um, bootstrapped the business from the beginning, yeah. and so every dollar counted, and so every dollar that I could do myself rather than employing someone else to do it made a huge difference to help us grow. Because we had a pretty ambitious plan from the word go. I, I actually found my original business plan the other day, <laughs> which was kind of humorous, but um, it was great because I did have big plans from the beginning of where I wanted to take the idea of this, this concept of edible bouquets, and I really felt passionately that it had huge potential to grow and it still has a lot of growth left so um, we're pretty excited about where the business is heading in the future as well. Have the, have these plans changed much from your existing business plan? Yeah they have um, so we've added on uh, whole new categories so we've we've definitely um, developed the edible gift category in Australia and we're by far the market leader um, with a huge portion of um, traffic to those keywords um, so it was added on, we started with fresh fruit bouquets and we added on chocolate bouquets and we added cookie bouquets and we've added gourmet hampers and we really specialise our hampers and really stuck to what we do best which is gourmet food and wine. So um, we use a lot of Australian made products, really high quality things and uh, a lot of our distributors, we buy a lot of the um, Australian made products from they said, well, you guys buy the really premium stuff for your hampers. A lot of the other <laughs> companies we do, we'd always want the cheapest thing, but we know that our customers want quality products. So we've yeah. stuck to that from the beginning. Like we do with our fruit bouquets, we've always used our Belgian curvature chocolate to dip our strawberries and so people keep coming back for more when they're getting a quality product. Yeah. Um, so we try and keep those same principles consistent as we've grown the range that we do, yeah. we still stick to those core values of the business and whenever we've, whenever we've strayed away from it where we've tried to do something that's too different, um, it doesn't fit with what we do, it hasn't worked, like we actually started a fresh flower florist mm-hmm. um, because a lot of our staff are florists, so a lot of the team members that work at Edible Blooms are actually fully qualified florists, so we well, wow, we should be doing flowers as well and we started a trial and it just wasn't true to us because our we provide that fresh alternative to fresh flowers, yeah. not fresh flowers themselves. So we tried it for 12 months. It didn't really resonate with our customer base because we really uh, could read that our customers wanted different things to send, not the same stuff they can get everywhere else. So yeah. um, we really try and stick to those those key principles and values that have driven the business and made it successful. Yeah. Well, that's definitely true is just, you know, stay authentic and um, genuine to who you are and you know, actually yes. specialise in that one particular thing and do it well? Yes, I love the um, first Godin book, um, The Purple Cow, which is all about just doing 
something a little bit differently so you can, you know, it's still a cow but it's purple so it's something <laughs> different to what everyone else is doing to stand yes. out. Otherwise, there's just so much clutter out there so how do you stand out um, and you need to stick true to those niche niche principles, I think. Definitely. And and what do you think has been your greatest inspiration and how do you generate new ideas? Uh, I am an ideas person. <laughs> so, um, but I guess inspiration is so This is what I'm learning and I learn this more and more. I'm, I'm constantly learning. I never feel like I've got it right. But, um, you know, the more I can expose myself to different things, whether it be a different place, um, a different, uh, different people, um, you know, different channels of social media to explore, um, the, the more you expose yourself to that's different to what you've seen, seen previously will inspire you. So from our product designs, we have a lot of people that come to us now with products they want to include in their range and we don't, you know, there's a lot we don't include that we get approached with and there's still a lot we take on because they're always looking for new things. So, and, but it's the people actually, it's the engaging conversations that you you have when you meet people that really make you look at something a little mm. bit differently, like turning something that's a little bit different way to sort of see something that you hadn't seen before. And that's um, invigorating as well as inspiring. So yeah. um, you, you have to constantly do something different, surround yourself with different things and ideas to, you know, bubble away. I love travel, um, so we try and go overseas at least once a year, my sister and I, oh, um, different great. locations. So, um, it, you know, it's always a um, way to have that time out from the business, but it's also that way to just see different things and different cultures do things differently. So that's been a huge um, motivator for us. And our staff, like our team, the team that work with us are amazing and they come up with great ideas. Our customers come up with great ideas. They'll ring us up and I'll say, I really like this on your website. But could you do it with these colours or could you put a bottle of vodka in it or could you do something different? And we say, yeah, we'd love to because our team loves different things. So whilst we have our, uh, our designs with recipes and they're all very consistent, when the customer rings and says, can I do it this way? We go, yeah, absolutely. And, and it keeps interesting for the team too. So customers come up with ideas for us. It comes from lots of different lots of different avenues. And um, which feedback channels do you use to leverage that, I guess, market research and feedback? Well, we're really into the NPS um, customer uh, feedback model. So if anyone's not familiar with that, it's called the Net Promoter Score. Yeah. And essentially it's a really quick um, way to see how engaged your customers are, whether they're likely to return to your business. And so it's a really simple score out of 10. So um, two days after people have received the deliveries being made by us, we email the sender to ask them how satisfied they were with their edible blues experience. And they give us a quick ticker box out of 10. Mm-hmm. And we have quite a high engagement from our customer base that give us that feedback. If anybody gives us a six or below, we know there's a problem. And that person is personally followed up by our team. We're really religious about that because that feedback can help us improve and make sure it doesn't happen again for another customer. Definitely. And we've been doing that for about 12 months or more now, really, really been focused on that NPS score. It's probably actually been probably close to two years, actually. Time flies, mm. actually. It's one thing you realise recently <laughs> for 10 years. Um, and so, and we've progressively seen our score keep getting higher and higher. And I think we now average, and we actually monitor all of our dispatch locations. They all get an individual NPS score each month. And then we do a blended national score for the business. And I think we're well over 83 as our average score out of 100, which is actually really high wow. for NPS, and particularly when we're dealing with perishable food. 
country products. Mm-hmm. It's um, we're really proud of that, and we we, we you know we, now we've set ourselves a goal. We want to get to ninety, which we think we might be a while to get there, but you know, <laughs> we, we want to keep improving it all the time. Uh, but I really highly recommend the NPS system to really get that measure of how satisfied your customers are. It's, it's really amazing. Thank you. That was a really good tip. Um, I know you mentioned before that you work regionally. Um, yes. So I just wanted to ask how technology has enabled your business and how important has social media been for you? Great. Um, I'll talk about technology and then I'll get on social media. So in 2008, we moved all of our business systems to the cloud, which back in 2008 wasn't ever known as the cloud now, but back then people would go, the cloud? What's the cloud? <laughs> and um, so we use an American platform that really it integrated our financial stock take um, or inventory and our website all on one database and platform and it was quite uh, one of the earlier Australian companies to do something like that. And prior to engaging in cloud business systems, my sister and I were very hands on with day to day operations of the business and what it did is it actually systemized every process. So overnight when we clicked the go button every process in our business was mapped out on a technology platform. So from um, customer communication touch points to back-end data to financial feeds, um, dashboards. So we've had dashboards where we've been all of our KPIs that drive the business now for seven, seven plus years, which mm. has given us amazing insight. So back in 2008, it meant that I could work remotely because I had a screen in front of me that had red flags if there was a gift that someone had ordered in my Sydney store and it hadn't been attended to and someone wasn't packing and dispatching it. It was a red icon on my screen and I could literally pick up the phone and ring the store and say, just checking in, is everything okay? And it might be that they're about to print it out or you know whatever it was. Um, so that really changed the way we could work Mm-hmm. and manage our business and have um, control and, and I guess that really cleared transparency of our performance as well. So we weren't waiting for the end of month and then the middle of the following month to get our financials. We'll get in the minute to minute as to how we were tracking. Yeah. And so that really gave us a huge um, leap forward and we've since changed to a new platform. It's now we use um, integrated systems that are much more cost effective. Back then it was quite an expensive thing to do um, and now we... You know, we've integrated some other platforms and we deal with Australian companies which maybe have Australian support. The challenge we had back then is to retain something on our website. The web development team was based in South America, but the head office of financials was in New York. And so to to do change on the website, you know, I was up at three in the morning talking with the guys in South America to get things done. And it was quite expensive and it was really inconvenient. So whilst I was able to work remotely, I was working at all kinds of hours. So... Um, now we use Australian support systems. It's been a lot easier because working in the same time zone. Yeah. Bliss. <laughs> Definitely. So that, it, was, it was really that technology infrastructure that meant that soon after that, I didn't have to be in the office 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. I could be in anywhere with the internet connection. I've been able to work since then. And I've also been married and had children since then. And my husband, when I met him, had a farm just outside of Melbourne and we've now bought a, um, sold that and bought a farm here in regional South Australia. So we live an hour from the city, which is great. Like, it's an, it's an hour for me to get to the airport if I need to get on the plane, which is not too bad. Um, it's very easy to get around, and I spend two or three days a week in my Adelaide office with the team, or if I'm on the plane, I'm visiting another store. And the rest of the time I'm working from home, with, I've got two young children, and um, it means I have a lot more quality time with the family. Yeah. I'm not spending a lot of time in the car 
so I get that best of both worlds. I get to enjoy living in the country, but I also have the stimulation of running this national business, and it's really exciting and interesting. But the days I'm at home, are so amazing. It's really I mean, it's, you can't work. I have worked a few hours sometimes, but um, but it's really it's really nice being able to live regionally, but have that stimulation of running a really interesting business and talking to interesting people like I am today. And yeah, it, it's, it's a nice balance. The second part of your question was around social media, and social media. I will be really honest; it's something that we haven't executed really well. Um, we're seeing it's really. We, we engaged in it very early on and we weren't seeing returns. We just weren't finding that social media was driving people to the website to purchase, whereas that's really swung around in the last, I would say the last 12 months, it's become a really positive um, thing for the bottom line of businesses. But before then, it was just a real drain on cost because it was so time intensive to maintain, but it wasn't actually driving sales, whereas that mm. I've seen that, that switch. So we're now heavily investing in social media. Which which platform are you are you using? Pardon? Which platforms on social media are you currently using? Sure. So the main we really decided to focus on three key areas, which is Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. Yeah. Because they're very visual platforms, and yes. we have a very visual product. So, um, we Twitter we've sort of dabbled in a little bit, but I have to say we haven't done it well. Uh, but Facebook we're seeing some great traction, and. Uh, for our tenth this year, we built um, an enormous chocolate garden. Uh, it was ten by six meters, and we partnered with Westfield, uh, Lint, Chocolatier, the Cora Barclay Centre, and Sophie Thompson as our garden designer. Oh, wow. And we um, landscaped a ten by six meter walk through chocolate garden, all made of chocolate. And we exhibited it in the Westfield Centre Court. We launched it in Adelaide, which is our head office. So we launched it in the West, biggest Westfield here in South Australia, and um, we had thousands of people walk through the garden and we raised over ten thousand dollars for the Coronbark Play Centre, which is for children with hearing That's amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. And so that was a really big, um, I guess, uh, online, offline platform for us. So it was yeah. very much the first time we've gone into traditional retail, but we did it really in a really different way. And it was really a brand engagement piece for us. But the social media was amazing. The engagement we had around social, watching the videos, the viral spread of, um, we did a GoPro of the build when we assembled it in the shopping centre after hours. And so we released all these interesting videos and it was it was, it was was amazing. We were so thrilled with the um, uh, the results that we had. So it was um, just doing something quite different and engaging social. But certainly we can see huge potential engaging social even more so in the future. Definitely. So just um, going to going back on um, that campaign that you did, how important were partnerships and collaborations um, oh, specifically really for cool. social media as well as just in your overall business yeah. model? Well, they're really, I mean, they're just, they're amazing because if you engage the right partners and they have a great social reach, you can see that, that leverage that you can achieve through uh, partnerships. Yeah. So more so than your own, reach so Lint as a partner in the project for example their reach on Facebook is 270,000 wow. likes whereas ours is just under 20,000 so to partner with someone like that was amazing and they did a post and went national and all those things so that was fantastic uh, likewise Westfield um, engaged their own EDM databases so we really did strategically pick partners that we knew we could complement and there was a real win for every partner involved in the project and I think that was key from the planning perspective to make sure everybody got a 
a win out of it. Mm. But at the same time, if you're the person project managing and you've got lots of partners, that creates a level of complexity. So we had to have a full-time project manager on the project yeah. because we had to make sure all those partners were communicated with and um, delivered what they what we told them we would be delivering. So we had to make sure we followed through. So there's a, a time piece that's associated with having lots of partners because if you don't do the right thing, they won't do something with you again. So, and these were all partners we wanted to continue a working relationship with. So, um, so yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a learning piece and, you know, we're all constantly <laughs> improving. But I have to say the partnerships we had for that particular project, the Edible Blooms Chocolate Garden, um, was amazing and everyone was thrilled with the outcome. So it was great, but it was a big investment from us and, um, uh, both financial and time that we had to put into the project to make sure that happened. Yeah. We're actually just looking at a photo of the chocolate garden right now. Um, oh, yeah. Astrid just brought it up. It is absolutely amazing. I have yeah. never seen anything like it. No, well, it's the world's first. Incredible. No one in the world has ever done it before. So we, we um, definitely coined the world first. And um, people can go onto YouTube and go onto our Edible Blooms YouTube channel and you can have a look at the videos there. Oh, nice. um, yeah. Is there is there a but chocolate pond with chocolate yeah. Um, yeah. sauce? We had um, <laughs> chocolate sauce. There's, oh. there's, there was over a ton of chocolate in the garden. Yeah. Um, oh. Plus chocolate. We had chocolate liquid. There was a fountain. Oh, uh, we yeah. had a um, the rainbow tree moved. So we had this huge rainbow tree. It was two and a bit meters tall. Um, and that rotated in the garden. We had a giant bunny that was a meter high that was on a turntable that moved. We had a um, raised vegetable bed. Um, filled with you know chocolate tomatoes and oh, like, it was like, <laughs> it's the best way for a child to eat fruit and vegetables when they're made of chocolate so, <laughs> oh, um, it, was, it was amazing yeah a big question that I wanted to ask was about your biggest successes and challenges this year and I guess your lessons learned in particular sure. um, well I think biggest success has definitely been the execution of our chocolate garden because yeah. it's our um uh, it's been our biggest project that we've been ever, ever engaged in and it was really our, um, our celebration of our 10th birthday. So we were absolutely delighted with how that went. Um, biggest challenges in the business was certainly around the um, last year we grew 30%, which nine years into the business was quite a big achievement. Yeah. And we, the challenges that come with that is that as the business grows, um, I guess it's the... Um, the stock levels and the cash flow and all of those things that, you know, perhaps aren't the most interesting parts of the business, but they take up a lot of time to make sure that's all um, ticking along. Because we have bootstrapped our business, we spend, or I do, um, as the managing director, spend a lot of time analysing to make sure everything's continuing on and our staff levels are increasing, all of those things. And it takes, um, someone once said to me, if you build a V8 engine, you've got to keep feeding it. So <laughs> that's a great analogy as it gets bigger. You build this beautiful car and it's got all these features and everything hums along beautifully, but you have got to keep you've got to keep that fuel going in, which is your cash flow. You've got to keep it churning away to make sure that car's purring like a baby. Yeah. Um. And and that's probably the challenge I think as you grow a business because you can be creative and I think that's where a lot of us start. Um. But you've got to have that business acumen to keep everything channeling along. So. And I think that's always my ongoing challenge because I get excited. I'm a bit, you know, I want to do a million different things all the time. Yeah. And it's a matter of taking stock. And before I 
commit myself to too many things is actually saying, right, okay, so what benefit is going to drive to the business bottom line? Yeah. Um, what's this going to do for the brand? And analysing what are the most important things to do for the business. Well, definitely great that you're an entrepreneur because you get to dabble in all those different things. Well, I think entrepreneurs have to be, and women are good entrepreneurs because I do believe women are really good at multitasking, and I don't Definitely. like that because I think my husband is a very talented person as well. <laughs> um, and a lot of men I meet are amazing, but women just have this great ability to manage family business and, and have a lot of balls in the air. Yeah. And um, and that's what I admire about a lot of other women in business that I meet, and um, constantly feeling awe of women of all levels with their businesses because we all have a lot of things that we we do and make happen every day. Definitely. And are there, I guess, are there any entrepreneurial hacks that you've developed to stay focused and be productive in your day-to-day life or increase um, kind of your ability to, to be balanced in work, life, um, and relationships? Yeah, um, look, um, I never get it right. And that's the first thing. Is that anyone that tells you they get it right, they're lying. Um, so <laughs> I, um, the, the, the only thing that works for me is... Um, constantly evaluating what is working and what's not because you just I think we're all chasing this you know holy grail of work-life balance that doesn't actually exist yeah but um and 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 I also find if I spend too much time with family you notice the business starts falling back if you spend too much time in the business notice that you know everyone's getting a bit unhappy at home so you're constantly just tweaking things to try and um, keep everything bubbling along as smoothly as you can but the thing that really is my fail-safe is lists I start yes. every day, I write yeah. a list, I prioritise it, I make sure I'm doing the really hard, important stuff first. We are definitely list stuff. people. Yeah, I know, it's great, and women are good at lists. Um, <laughs> so, and, but I try and do the fun things last. So if I've got something I really want to do with something creative, like the, you know, anything that's fun and interesting or research, that happens when I've done all the hard stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. So, and it's just a bit of, there's a lot of discipline around that. Um, one thing I'm trying to really focus on in the business at the moment is a regular meeting schedule so that we keep the communications going because the business grows, um, there's an increased um, requirement for communications at all levels so that everybody knows where what's going on at all times. Definitely. Um, because we do have a lot more projects in progress than we've ever had and part of that is making sure everyone's at the right speed and everyone knows what they need to be doing when. What has been the most exciting minute of your entrepreneurial journey so far? <laughs> minute. Um, well, actually, I'm going tonight. I'm off to the Telstra Business Women's Awards, and I have to say, 2011 went off at the Adelaide Awards, and I was just in awe of all the women in the awards. And then I won the Business Owner Category Award. I was just, I was so surprised. And then that lunch, I actually won three awards that day. So that day oh, was wow. definitely like, yeah, it was pretty amazing. I'd always, like on my holy grail, I always thought, oh, imagine if I could win Young <laughs> Woman of the Year for South Australia. Um, and then I won that one in the um, overall for the state that you It was really exciting. And um, and I think it, from that from that moment, uh, I really worked on building the alumni in South Australia. So I've been quite um, involved in the South Australian Telstra Women's Alumni. And that's been a really rewarding network because it's a group of women we all look out for each other. We do business with each other, and um, there you just know that they're the sort of people that if you're having, if anything ever went wrong, you could go to them and they'd take, you, they'd have you back. They'd make yeah. sure you. And it's like the league. It's like that. It's a, it's a community. Group of women that, yeah. yeah, it is, and it, you know that they will be there to help you out. So 
women, women supporting women is really important in business. Definitely. We we actually have our female entrepreneur awards coming up, so we're really excited for that in I'm November. Coming. Yay! I bought a ticket as soon as it went on sale, so I thought that would be an amazing lunch to be at. So I'm coming out to Melbourne for that. I'm very excited. Oh, brilliant. We can't wait to catch up with you then as well. Yeah, that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. So um, it's a great initiative. Definitely. Um, I think that it's amazing that it's the first of its kind. And yes. we're so happy to... Um, be the ones that are doing it um, yeah it'll be it'll be incredible yeah and just a few last questions what's the biggest thing that you struggle with as an entrepreneur and is there anything that you would change okay um the biggest thing I struggle with as an entrepreneur is um not having enough time in the day <laughs> I, I I I am a uh I'm a, I have an unreal expectation of what I'm going to achieve each day. So my list is always twice as long as what I can actually achieve in any one day. So <laughs> um, if I could, but I think if I did write that really long list, I'd probably get half of, half as much done. So I, you know, I'm okay with never getting that list done. And what was the second question? Um, looking back, what's one thing that you would do differently? Looking back, the thing I would do differently as an entrepreneur before I started the business, I would go on a really long holiday because I remember when I first started Edible Blooms, it was probably, I mean, I had like a couple of long weekends here and there, but to actually take a leave of two or three weeks away from the business and not have to be on the ball the whole time um, took me about four or five years. So it's, it's really important that you have that downtime because when you start a new business, you have to give it everything you've got and more. And to be in the right headspace for that's really important. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Kelly, I just wanted to, to ask you a question about your expansion internationally. At what stage did you realise the business was ready and that how did you test the market over there before making that big step? Um, great question. So the New Zealand expansion for us happened fairly early. So in 2008, we opened our Auckland office and that's actually a business partnership with our very first Australian employee, Sarah Bruce. So Sarah was our first staff member. She was a qualified florist who employed in Brisbane. And she saw us start from a one-man band to grow rapidly. And she was a really um, capable young woman, very hard worker. And she accidentally got herself pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, that was fine. We worked with her when she was pregnant, but um, she's a Kiwi by background. So... She decided after a certain period she, it would be great if she could be around her own family, which and I've always said to her, you want to go home to New Zealand, you just say so, we'll work with you. So she actually owns the New Zealand business and works as a business partner with us. So it's technically a franchise model, but um, that was really the business structure we used to make the partnership work because we still own the brand and the IP, but she runs the business like it's her own and she does an amazing job. So New Zealand was a really... Um, I guess a fairly smooth opening for us to expand to another country and it was a real trial for us because we wanted to see if it would work and it has worked really well. Um, we were going to open in the UK back in 2011 and we were all set. We'd done a lot of the background work and we'd already done trips over there to do a lot of research in the market and uh, at that point I had a six-month-old little boy and I still believe that I could do everything um, mm -hmm. and have a family and then not long after that I realised that 
I'd be on a plane a lot and even meant being away from my family or taking very young children with me on international flights regularly. And for other mothers, they'll know that's quite the challenge. So we've put that on hold for a little while, but we're actually um, now pressing ahead with that again. So now I have my two kids and um, we've actually got, I guess, better infrastructure and the business is a lot bigger and more financial now than it was back in 2011. So we are actually opening in the UK next year and it's actually going to be a company-owned um, business. So it's actually going to be part of the Edible Works Group here in Australia. Okay. And we've got um, key team members from Australia who are relocating for us. So we are really excited about 2016 and we, it's going to be a huge year for us. We are ramping up and it's going to be our biggest year ever. And, uh, yeah, so there's a lot more of that to come. So then we'll go to the UK and from there we'll see, see how we go. That's amazing. So is, is Green Thumbs going to follow as well? Maybe. We'll see how we go. So that's a business, actually, I haven't touched on that, but Green Thumbs is an amazing business that we started. And, again, it's spun out of having young children. My husband used to have a very big um, global role, um, which meant he was on the plane a lot and he had an office in Shanghai and one in Melbourne. And... Um, that all got a bit hard with um, young children and we weren't getting the family balance that we wanted. So um, he took six months off and then we started the Green Thumb Gifts um, delivery business, which is a living plant delivery um, line. Again, it's an alternative to fresh flowers. It's a living gift that keeps growing, which is just beautiful. And from our farm um, here in South Australia, we actually converted the old shearing shed into a nursery and we deliver next business day all around Australia, beautiful living plant gifts. And we've just expanded that to be a same-day service of a core range that um, are um, kept and dispatched from all of our Edible Bloom store network to in, for customer convenience. So we may well expand Green Thumb, but we're going to start with Edible Bloom in the UK and see how we go. I've actually used Green Thumbs um, quite a few times, and I absolutely love oh, it. Oh, yay! Absolutely <laughs> love it. Um, I ordered the thank it was you. a it was like a succulents gift pack and it was yes. ab, it was absolutely beautiful so thank you so much. Oh, I thought that was oh, such a great experience that. to receive some fresh succulents at your door. Oh, um, it is it's cool. and the boxes are gorgeous. Yeah, the boxes yeah. are lovely. It's just presented so beautifully. So good. I think oh, that's lovely feedback. Thank you. That Thanks, is Sarah. amazing. <laughs> so just coming to an end. Looking back, what's one thing that you wish you understood about entrepreneurship before you got started? Um, actually, I think I was quite realistic that it was going to be a lot of hard work. <laughs> I think yeah. that's the one thing that I see other people don't see. But um, I guess growing up with families that were farmers, they would just, they'd just work a lot. So I was used to yeah. people that worked a lot of hours. So um, I wasn't afraid of the hard work, and it really is. If you're going to make it successful, it's a lot of hard work. Um, I think the challenge I didn't expect was just learning so much about the financial side of the business and I think coming from a marketing and business development background, I think the reason that we stayed in business so long is because I realised early on that that was something I wasn't very good at so I really jumped in and got my head around it and I yeah. today my role is almost as equally a CFO role as it is a marketing and business development in the business and leadership so I think you have to have a really strong grasp of the financials, what your cash flow cycle is and what drives the bottom line of your business. And I'm still learning new things, but I feel like I've got a pretty good grasp of that and I think it's been really important to the business sustainability. Is, is there anything that you did to actively educate yourself on that topic or seek yeah, out before, assistance? Yeah, before I, before I opened the doors, I um, did a um, MYB, because MYB was the accounting package I first yeah. used, I did an MYB course um, with an um, instructor in Brisbane and I and 
um, she was really good. I'm still friends with her on Facebook. <laughs> <Ten years laughs> later. Um, she's lovely. She's done really well with her business. And um, so I and I asked a lot of que- I went with a lot of questions. I knew what I didn't know. And that's another tip that I'm leading on to from this question about what you need to know in hindsight as an entrepreneur is yeah. never be afraid to ask the dumbest question because yeah. um, no question but no question is a dumb question. You have to be prepared just to ask a lot of questions and know what you don't know. Definitely. If that makes sense. So, yes, so it's about identifying where you don't know things and really you have to understand all aspects of your business so you have to ask the questions. Even if sometimes you feel like you should know something, you just have to ask and you have to work out. Or if, you, if you're too embarrassed to ask, just Google it. Yeah. <laughs> You'll find a video <laughs> on YouTube that'll explain it. <laughs> and I, I really like what you were saying before about spending that time understanding what your customer wants. So whether it's through feedback or market research, that's kind of yeah. where your ideas generate from, just understanding more about what the consumer wants. Yes. And then obviously yeah. catering for that, which actually sounds so simple, but it just isn't really done I've learned with staff and customers is just because you've got back what the customer wants right yesterday doesn't mean that they want the same thing today yeah that's right and it's constantly evolving so it's that um, really delving into what the customer wants and what your staff want will stimulate your team yeah but constantly going back and asking that same question again because <laughs> and um, people people just need constant simulation, so your customers need it, your team need it. It's it just is constant. You can never sit back and rest on your laurels. You have to keep challenging and improving all yeah, the time. Definitely. And apart from the expansion overseas, do you have, I guess, any other plans um, in the next twenty years, or anything that you hope to achieve? Your goals for the business? Well, I'm. Yeah, I. I'm, I mean, I love working with other women in business and hopefully helping others so any advice I can ever share I will always be happy to um, to share with others in business and I'm about to start mentoring a new uh, women's entrepreneur group which is just a round table group of 10 women in South Australia who all run their own business which I'm really um, yeah great. I, what, what is really that called to that. Uh, there's a group in South Australia called behind closed doors and it's a executive um, and coaching I guess, framework for women who are either in executive roles or in um, run their own businesses. And so I've been asked to facilitate an entrepreneur group. And so I've been handpicking entrepreneurs to be in my group because I think it's the combination of you're ever in that opportunity of um, a mentoring. It's like having a mini board for your business mm. and you meet monthly. And uh, it's, a, it's about having that right dynamic around the table that makes an enormous difference because... It has to be a trusted circle. Definitely. And uh, so I, that's a new thing for me that I'm starting on and I'm really excited about it because I have just done one-on-one mentoring but this is actually more of a um, being part of a coordinated program and the great thing is it gives the Behind Closed Doors framework allows you as a facilitator to create the group how you want so there's a lot of flexibility to, to run it and I was... I had a... Um, in a similar group in Queensland when I started my business I had a female... Um, chair of my group, it was for the executive connection back then, um, and um, Amanda Cole by far is, has been the best mentor I've had, and I, so I've gone to her with advice of how to start up my, my <laughs> own mentoring group because she was really good at doing that for me, so again, it's always about asking questions and getting advice from people who you think are amazing. Yeah. 
Well, that sounds so exciting. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. <clears throat> so do you do you have a website or a, fa- a Facebook group that's helping to facilitate um, that project? Yeah, so there's a, a website called um, behindcloseddoors.com.au. Okay. And um, it is first South Australia. I think they have groups in Victoria and South Wales now as well. So they are awesome. both in the same state, but it's been hugely successful here in South Australia. So it's nice when things are a first. You know, we often get things from the East Coast, but it's nice when <laughs> new initiatives come from up here, which is great. <laughs> Wonderful. We'll definitely check that out. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I think that's – we've definitely gone over time now. But um, <laughs> Okay. Um, any last words of wisdom or a favourite quote that you have? Uh, my favourite quote at the moment is, what got you here won't get you there. And that's about that constant evolution of doing things differently, um, being disruptive in the way you go about business and constantly looking for the new challenge. That's great. Thank you so much. I love that quote. Thank <laughs> you, guys. Yeah, I do too. It's really stimulating because you have to keep changing. You, yeah. can't you have to be adaptable. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much, Kelly. We really appreciate chatting with you today. We look forward oh, to likewise. We look forward to seeing what's coming next, your expansion again, I guess, into another international market. Yeah, we're pretty excited about that. So it's gonna be a very busy year next year, but lots of fun. Definitely. Thank you so much again. All right, thanks, Astrid and Sarah. It was great talking to you. You too. <laughs> bye. All right, bye guys. Bye. Bye.